0: Welcome back to everybody to the Moon Tower Business Podcast. Today we're speaking with Carlos Cascos, who was the 110th Texas Secretary of State. He also has a CPA firm uh, down in Brownsville, Texas. And uh, welcome on board to, to the Moon Tower Business Podcast. Uh, Carlos, how are you?
1: Mr. O'Bell, thank you so much for having me this morning. Uh, you may not want to be called Mr., but out of respect, I'll call you Mr., or I'll just call you Joseph, whichever one, whichever one is right.
0: Whatever you prefer. Either one. Uh,
1: Mr. Kaskos, tell us a little bit about your,
0: uh, your experience as uh, Texas Secretary of State.
1: Well, as, as you may know, I've, I've, been in, I've been involved in politics over the last 20 some odd years in different capacities. Uh, I've, un, under uh, I've served as a county commissioner in Cameron for 12 years. Uh, I was elected county judge as a Republican in Cameron three times, uh, with the last one in, in 2014. Uh, I served on the Department of Public Safety Commission. I was a, a Rick Perry appointment. Uh, I was a Democrat at the time, but Rick Perry, uh, you know, chose to appoint to, to, you know, me to the DPS Commission. I've served on numerous statewide boards under TxDOT. Uh, but SOS was was to me at the time was was the pinnacle of of all appointments, and uh, I was honored to be chosen by Abbott as as his first appointment. Uh, it was kind of a bittersweet um, a bittersweet appointment. One, I had just gotten reelected as county judge, and so the, the the challenge was trying to explain to constituents that worked so hard to get me reelected, letting them know that I that I was going to leave. But but I believe that that it would have served. A, a, a bigger purpose, not, not necessarily for me, but for the region as well, which is the Valley, South Texas, um, and hadn't had a, an SOS out of, out of a Cameron, you know, well, since Tony Garza was many, many years ago. Uh, the irony of it is Tony was, was my neighbor down the street for, for many years. Uh, he was also a county judge. And so the street that I live on uh, has had five county judges live on that street. Uh, and all on that, and, and the last, you know, probably the last 60 years of county judges in Cameron lived on on West Levy. So that's kind of a historical, you know, backdrop. But anyway, as Secretary of State, it, it what I was told by other secretaries was, you know, you make of it what you want. And so I made a deliberate choice um, of a couple of things. Number one, stay in Texas. Uh, I believe that Smarter people than me can go to China and to Ireland and do all these exotic trips overseas. I chose to stay in Texas, Mexico, and Canada. Uh, I went to Mexico five times. I went to Canada once. I visited about 142 cities in Texas, different cities in my my two-year term as secretary. Uh, I learned a lot from a lot of different people, uh, different regions. But what I did find interesting was the the challenges that every community had were no different you know the challenges whether you're in San Angelo or Amarillo uh, you know Lubbock or you know the the Houston Sugarland you know all these they all had similar challenges they wanted to know what is it that we can you know how we can how can we make our community great how can we attract entrepreneurs how can we attract business uh, what is it that we need to be doing to to appeal to industries of, of different kinds and so I learned a lot, and, and I would give my you know my two cents for advice. And I'd get a penny back in change. Uh, and what I would what I would suggest to people is look a, a community can't be all things to all people. They got to find their niche. What is it that they excel in? What is it that they have to offer? You know, do they have, what What's their labor force look like? What's their educational system looks like? Their infrastructure. Uh, you know, the quality of 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 healthcare uh, things. Th- that's what industries I found. Are looking for and and they want this like it's like I, I i had a chance to visit the uh the toyota plant in uh in, in san antonio and so i asked the question why is it that you all aren't you know why didn't y'all go to the amazon I, w- I went to several amazon fulfillment centers and uh you know they, they the one i went to the one close to dallas they had one in san Marcos um what is it that you're looking for and the number one thing was a a a, a workforce so, when you have these these large industries like the Toyota plant, like uh, Amazon, they want to go into a region where they can hire a thousand two thousand people you know within a week 's time and there's very few areas in our state that can offer that. you know you come down to the valley, yeah, in time, we might be able to provide you know two thousand three thousand workers, but it, it 's going to take a little bit more time. These plants are going to open up. They want to open up. They want a quick labor force. Um, so that—that's what I would advise clients. Mexico hadn't been visited in—I want to say eight to eleven years. But before I got there, the water debt was was at an all-time high. Um, the one thing that the governor Abbott asked, I said, "Look, we we need to we need to reinforce our relationship with Mexico." Easier said than done. Uh, first, I had to learn about the relationship that Texas has with mexico so the number one point is mexico is texas's largest trading partner half a million jobs in texas are created because of direct trade with mexico a lot of people didn't know that as i traveled to you know to dallas or or wichita you know or or nacogdoches and you know give these speeches to people about the importance that mexico has so that was that was number one you know nurturing that relationship as you or you may not know, Mexicans are very high maintenance. I can say that because I'm because I'm a Mexican. Uh, but but you know they, they want to be treated a certain way, and, and many times you know you can get more accomplished with with certain factions um, over dinner, uh, over an adult beverage, uh, and talk shop than you can in a boardroom, than you can in an official office because once you break bread with somebody. It, it takes it to a whole different level. Now you're sharing a meal uh, and and with a Hispanic community, especially dealing in Mexico, that's very important to them. So having said that, having Texas and Mexico having the relationship that it does, what I recommended to the governor I said, Mexico's got to be your first stop outside of Texas. That's going to be your first stop. So he did. after a while, he did. He went we went. I'd already gone in April. I kind of set the foundation, kind of met some of the, you know, some of the movers and shakers of Mexican politics, uh, opened the door for Governor Abbott. He was welcome. My God, like, you know, uh, the Messiah. I mean, everybody really looked up to him. They liked him. He came across very, very well. Uh, we, met, we met with the president of Mexico. I met with a lot of cabinet members to talk about energy reform. We talked a little bit about immigration, but not a whole lot. Uh, and I remember meeting with, with, uh, before Abbott went, I'm sorry, right after Abbott went, um, met with, with Mexico's equivalent to their secretary of state who later ran, who got, him and I got to be good friends. He ran for president under, 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 under the pretty ticket. He didn't prevail. Uh, but we got to be good friends. And so when, yeah, it was after. And then when I went to go visit with him, he wanted to talk about all kinds of things, immigration, trade, uh, border security, etc. So what I basically told him was, look, we need to speak about things that are going to bring us together and things that we have in common, not issues that that are beyond our help and are 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 going to polarize us. He agreed. So and it was over dinner, and uh, the meeting with him went went very very well. Uh, there was a lot of agreements that Abbott signed at the time, talking about infrastructure. Uh, why is Mexican infrastructure so important to Texas and US trade? Very simple. We can build all the international bridges that we want along the border, whether it's from here to California. But if, if we don't have the infrastructure leading to or leading from those bridges, it's going to create bottlenecks. It accomplishes nothing. So it, it's a lot easier for us to build highways and byways leading up from the major metropolitan areas in Texas. To our border, but Mexico has to do the same thing along their border. They got to right. build. They got to build infrastructure. Uh, so that was the discussions uh, that we had. Security was an issue um, that that I got to speak with the governor of, uh, of Nuevo Leon, uh, and we got, also we got to be you know somewhat somewhat of friends. And uh, and that that's what it's all about. It's developing relationships. So I went to Mexico five times. You know, three to Mexico City. Wants to love Victoria and wants to to Monterrey, and I tell you what's a big benefit. The benefit is obviously speaking the Spanish language. Uh, I may I may not be the best Spanish speaker in the world, but I'm a lot better than 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 a lot a lot. Um, I, I was born you know in Mexico. I was born in Matamoros and immigrated as a as a young as a young child. Uh, learned the English language, went to public schools, but I always wanted to maintain that 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 Spanish language because it was going to come, you know, to help out at some point, And it did. So when Abbott, so when Abbott and, and I um, went in, in labor, as a matter of fact, it was labor day, 2015. So it was five years ago, almost to the day that, that we went hmm. and we got to visit with Peña Nieto. very good meeting. Uh, there, there was translators obviously, because governor Abbott's Spanish is, is not that good. Um, and, and, uh, and, and Peña Nieto's English was not that good. Uh, so there were translators, but it was a very productive meeting. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe that the governor's been back, you know, to Mexico since then. I may be wrong, but I I, I, think, I think he's not. Those relationships, especially now with, with, the, with, with, with the politics that's going on, uh, it, it, it's imperative that, that Texas continues that outreach uh, reaching out to the, the new president, you know, of Mexico, reaching out to the governors of, of our border states. Um, because like, as, as, I, as I prefaced earlier, Mexico is, uh, and will be for quite some time, our largest trading partner. And when you have half a million jobs, depending on Mexican trade in in, in, in Texas alone, that's relevant. Throughout the United States, there's over six, well, I don't know about today, but you know, back before we had the unemployment issues, it was over six million jobs in the United States that relied on direct trade with Mexico. Every state in the United States, including Alaska, Hawaii, Rhode Island, Wyoming, you name the state and they can tell you and you can see that they have jobs created because of our trade with Mexico. But uh, the SOS position was, was very informative to me. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the road uh, that was during the, during the 2016 election. I traveled a lot, promoting vote Texas, getting people out to vote. At that time, we had more registered voters in the history of Texas, uh, and that was the idea. It you know because I was it's a nonpartisan position being secretary. Uh, it's also the chief elections officer of the state. Uh, I wanted to go speak to Republican clubs, Democrat clubs, vegetarian clubs. It didn't matter. I would go. Anywhere I was invited to go and speak, and and kept the the the, the partisan politics out, uh, and I, I think it was pretty successful. I, I had a, I had a lot of, you know a lot of good comments. I gave over 200 speeches in those two years, um, but but it's very tiring. It was very tiring. You know you're on the road, you know three four days out of the week. Uh, I tell you, one time I woke up and I had to actually look out my hotel window because I didn't remember where I was. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and people say, really? Yeah. I just, where am I today? And it was once when I did a stretch from from San Angelo, Odessa, Midland, Lubbock, Amarillo, Dallas, and back to Austin. It was rough. Um, and at one point, yeah. Uh, but you do get to savor a lot of good meals. You know, there, there's a lot of great people in Texas. But as I traveled, I realized how many Texans know very little about Texas. Right. You know, we just don't study it. You know, I I yeah, you know, I would wear bolo ties, right? Uh, and that was my my, uh, my my I guess my trademark. And so I would ask somewhere, I said, "What is the official tie of Texas?" Nobody knew. It's the bolo tie. You know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and of course, for for all the the Aggie fans, you know, what is the official big large mammal of Texas? I don't know. The Longhorn.
0: Yeah.
1: Duh. Hello. <laughs> you know, and and the small mammal it was 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 the the. The armadillo. Anyway, so we want to, you know, kind of questions like that about things. And and uh, but I got to speak to groups as small as ten, uh, and as large as fifteen hundred to two thousand people at speeches. I was in Port Lavaca. once to go speak at a Rotary Club, I believe. And, and uh, everywhere I went, it was really the. I mean, it was pretty crowded. Uh, and I had a reporter from Corpus Drive to Port Lavaca, and basically a young reporter, and he asked me, "Why are you here?" Yeah. And I said, what do you mean? Well, why are you here? I mean, Port Lavaca? And I said, you know I I see every community in Texas as a spoke on a wheel. You need them all in order for that wheel to turn properly. And Port Lavaca is no different than Lucas, Texas. Uh, People never heard of Lucas, Texas. Um, It was a small community outside of Dallas that I went to go speak to some seniors uh, about boating. So I went to communities that you've never heard of. Never heard of, I'd never heard of them. Um, I got police escorts from as soon as I got into the city limits and the escort was two blocks. That's how small the community was. <laughs> I was there. I was there to go speak. Um, but that was, that was great. It, it was, it was a great experience for me. I got to meet a lot of good people in the legislature and some not so good people in the legislature. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I learned that, that Democrats and Republicans, they all want the same thing. It, it's, it's the roads that they travel to get there that are a little bit different, but they all want the same thing. Good, you know, they want good things for Texas. Uh, they want everyone you know, to, to, to prevail, entrepreneurial development. Um, I found that. It's just, it's just that the roads that they travel may be slightly different than, uh, than what everybody else does. In, in terms of elections what what did you see was the
0: issue for people signing up to vote and getting out there? I mean I know, I know there's some reluctance sometimes to get out there, and I know it's getting better over time, but what do you think the big concern is for people not signing up and, and going to vote
1: cynicism, mistrust uh, all politicians are the same you know when when uh, you know like we're having the issue with 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 you know with, with the riots and, and, and you know and the and some of the atrocities that, that have been committed against against african american men and and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when all this was going on, you know, I, you know, there's heard a lot of people use this, you know, there's a lot there, there's bad apples everywhere. And, and to blame a whole career, a whole profession of, of law enforcement officers on the on the bad deeds of, of, of a handful of people is, is, is not fair. It's not right. Uh, I was on the DPS commission. And, and I was there for over two years, and I, I, I couldn't find a, a better group of, of, of law enforcement people. Are you going to have your, 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 your bad seeds? You are, but you're going to have that in the accounting profession. I mean, in almost in every profession, you're going right. to have folks that do something that's illegal, uh, unethical, uh, whatever. Uh, you know, you're going to have it, you know, but to blame, you know, there was, there's 800 officers in, in uh, where, where Mr. Floyd got, got killed or was murdered basically. Uh, and four people out of the 800 committed this atrocious crime, but yet the riots and everything were against all law enforcement personnel. Uh, that's not right. I mean, obviously it's not right. Um, I'm not a supporter of, 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 of defunding. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot. I think, I think that's going to take a lot more than words, and even though people say words matter, well, actions matter a lot more than words. No one has a plan as to how to address this at the national level. So you start, You got to start at the local level. You got to start with local law enforcement officers with the proper education, with the training. You know, color etc. And even after we do all that, we're still going to have issues with some people that you know that you can't cure. That's just right. the way it is. Uh, is there systemic racism? Does it exist? Yeah, ob- obviously it does. But is it, is, it, is it prevalent? Is it prevalent in every law enforcement agency? I don't believe that. Um, but there's some people that are just adamant to believe. And, and uh, I hope that, we, we, that we, we do find a mechanism uh, and, and, a, and a philosophy that, that treats everyone fairly, that, that everyone is equal. And and let's hope it happens, you know, sooner than sooner than later.
0: Right. So your uh, your office also handled, uh, you know, registration of companies that were getting getting started, uh, incorporating LLCs, et cetera, trademarks. In your time as Secretary of State, did you experience? I know Austin has a big tech sector, and uh, over time. Uh, a lot of different companies have been moving to the state of Texas to Austin. Where did you were you able to experience uh, big companies or tech companies coming from California to Texas to Austin?
1: Oh yeah, um, you know it, the way we do business today today is different than what we were doing six months ago. We have to adapt to, to this to this new way of, of of doing of doing things. Texas, you know, and I said this and this Governor Perry started this. And, and, and I think a lot of people uh, alluded to the term, the Texas miracle. I'm sure you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, and, and, my, and my thought was, this wasn't a miracle. This, is a, this was a very well-defined plan as to how to attract entrepreneurial investment and new businesses. Okay. So, it wasn't a miracle. It was, it was well-defined. Governor, Governor Perry basically uh, started this uh, and Governor Abbott continued it, you know, I, and so this was not anything that was somewhat, you know, coming com, coming from you know coming from from a higher being. It was it was coming with, with Texas having a plan. Now, I, I wasn't I was in Canada trying to trying to convince a a Canadian company that had a a satellite operations in in Montreal. Their base of operations was California. And uh, I spoke with him at length about coming to Texas. I, I lost track. I don't know if he did or not, uh, but their stock was publicly traded. Anyway, um, two things that Texas has to offer, two basic things. One, it's a right to work state and there is no state income tax for individuals. We have a franchise tax that that, that is paid. First million dollars plus of, of, of revenue is, is basically, if you, if, you, if you have that, revenue or less I'm not talking about net revenue about gross revenue Uh, you file but there's no tax so it's a very very small tax that that, that you got to pay at at the corporate level Uh, you know anybody that files a franchise would you know would be subject to this but it's nominal so that's that's the basic thing that we have to offer we have a great labor force in you know Austin what was was now known as Silicon Valley I mean I'm sorry it was uh Silicon I'll tell you what it is it comes to me Silicon Valley Silicon Hills. We had some phrase for it, for Austin being, being the new silicone uh, area of Texas. Um, but the problem is that, you know, it, Texas grew so fast that the infrastructure can't keep up. Get on I thirty five between you and, 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 and Georgetown at three four or five in the afternoon. You know, and right when you right when you get out of Buddha, and uh, you know, try to make it. You know, try to drive that twenty mile stretch in thirty minutes during peak hour. You're there. You're stuck for an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. Um, you know, so we didn't develop that. So Texas had to come up with a plan. You know, there was like there's twenty one choke points in the United States. That means where traffic. Becomes a parking lot. You don't move. Well, Texas has five of those choke points. I-35. It's one of them. Then you have others by the Houston area, Dallas. But I-35 is the one that you and I probably would travel almost on a regular basis if when you had to. Right. Um, when I was when I was secretary, I lived about ten miles away. I had to leave at six forty-five in the morning to get to the Capitol. By, I'd get there about 7.15, 7.30 because there's no traffic. If I left at 7.30 or 8, I wouldn't get to the Capitol till 9. Right. And I'm a morning person. I get to my office at 7.30 in the morning every day. Um, that's, when I, that's when I function the best, or I'd like to think I function the best. Um, but that's what I offered to this, to this Canadian company. And I, and I, I used the Geico commercial as, as, a, as, as, a, as an example. I said, if you move to Texas, you're going to save 15% or more. So <laughs> I like it. Guy, yeah, So the guy kind of chuckles, what do you mean? Because we don't, we don't have a state income tax. Oh, okay. Uh, now use that frequently, you know, because, because it's true. So as long as, as we keep uh, state income taxes away, we're, we're going to continue with, with people coming to Texas. But with growth comes a lot of responsibility. And that is making sure that we have the, the infrastructure in place. Um, when you have more people coming in, we may have to invest in in, in our educational system, in schools, infrastructure, healthcare, um, and with that, you know, unfortunately, you got you got to pay for that. There's no other way to do it. Um, but but I think that Texas is still. I, I would say this: if if I'm in a community, I would ask some questions, and I, the audience would answer. Do you believe you live in the best community in Texas? And Ninety-nine people. Yeah, yeah, we do. You know? Okay. Do you believe we live in the best state in the United States? Yeah, right. Do you believe the United States is the best country in the world? Everybody said, yeah, "Well, yeah." So that means that where you live right now is the best place to live in the world. <laughs> Everybody kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, so in order to sell Texas, you got to know Texas, and 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 you, you you obviously you can't sell unless you know what you're selling. So I got some very, very good responses from people uh, outside of the state. Mexico uh, was, again, was one of those countries that, that, that I visited quite frequently to convince them. Now, we all know the issues with, with security, driving the highways in Mexico. Um, so I suggested, and the governor, of, of both governors have done it. But I said, if, if you want to get your goods and services from, from, from your hometown, whether it's Monterrey, South Victoria, or Mexico City, you got to provide security for these 18-wheelers and for people that are traveling back and forth. The one issue that no one wanted to talk about in Mexico is how much of their tourism has suffered because of the violence. Right. And, and the example that I gave them in Monterrey, people, I know people used to love going to Monterrey to go get their eyes checked, to go whatever. I said, people don't want to come. People cannot afford to hop on a plane. If you have a family of four, hop on a plane and fly to Monterey or Mexico City, you're spending $1,200 on, air, on airfare, or before it cost you $50 in gas to get there. So I said, people are going to be reluctant to travel your highways unless they feel safe and secure. So last year, two years ago, they started providing additional military on their highways uh, to safeguard people driving back and forth. Are things going to happen still? Probably. I'm sure they are. But they need to do everything they can to mitigate that violence or mitigate that threat of driving on, on, on our Mexican highways.
0: Mexico has uh, several consulates in Texas. Did you ever, ever have any contact with the consul generals in, in, uh, in Texas, oh, in Europe? I met,
1: I met, I met them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, met, I've, met, I've met quite a few. Uh, you know, I, I actually did, did uh, socialize with, with the uh, consulate from Mexico, Carlos Gonzalez, uh, and then also with the, with the consulate general from from Ireland. Okay. I, I forgot his name off the – guy. yeah, I used to take him to a, to a place I used to go to. I used to frequent uh, whenever I got a chance on Wednesday nights to go watch the spasmatics. Yep. And, yeah, they used to play on Cedar Street uh, every Wednesday night. And so uh, whenever I, I, I'd met somebody like that, I'd invite them, uh, and they loved it. As a matter of fact, uh, I took the, uh, the county judge from Laredo there one time, Tano Tijerina, Hope he's not watching, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) uh, he was I took him there. He loved him. And so he had a fundraiser for him some years back where he invited the spasmatics to come and play. So I, you know, I I'm on record at a tech stop meeting where I went to go um, testify. And somebody at the tech stop meeting said something about me being at the spasmatics concert on Wednesday. And I said yes. And uh, Ted Houghton was the chairman. And he says, Well, I think I was county judge at the time. He says, Judge, you are now on record with Dot that you went to go watch the spasmatics last night. And I said, yeah, I, I, I do it all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't stayed in contact with the consulates. Houston's got more consulates and I believe, uh, anywhere obviously in Texas. I think they got 12 in Houston alone. Um, and I think uh, Texas has quite a few. So I've had dinner with a lot of them, um, and I've, got to, uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of cons- it's, it It's a ceremonial position, it, it's a, it's a position of honor. Um, not anybody can be a can be a consulate, but you know they are political appointments, and and so a lot of them have been around for for quite some time. Good people, though, I, I can tell you. I, I really enjoyed meeting a lot of them. Good stuff. So
0: we're dealing with the uh, obviously the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, globally, uh, and you know we're dealing with it here in Texas. Uh, you were Cameron County Judge, I think, two thousand seven and twenty fifteen. And you had to deal with a pandemic as county judge uh, can you kind of talk about your experience dealing with the pandemic before and kind of your thoughts on how we're dealing with the pandemic today
1: back if i recall it was h1n1 uh, that was that was a, a, a pandemic back then it, it, it also uh, it, it destroyed a lot of families uh, a lot of people passed away uh, in Texas and, and throughout and, and, and throughout the uh, throughout the country um, but we dealt with it uh, we, we developed protocols and we, we just, but nothing shut down. Uh, we kept going. Businesses were open. Uh, I, I think we've done, a I I think we've done a much better job with, with, uh, with, with COVID in terms of, of educating folks that we did with H1N1, but it, it's, it's a different kind of a virus. I don't believe, and I'm, I'm probably going to get grief for it. Um, but so be it. Um, I don't believe that, that shutting down for the length of time that we did, uh, the whole economy was, was wise. Uh, I believe that, that obviously schools, uh, you know, sh- should have been closed and, 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 and not go back yet until, until we determined that it's safe to go back. I, I, you know, I, um, but to shutting down everybody, uh, leaving essential businesses open um, without a clear definition as to what an essential business is, I'm an entrepreneur guy like everybody else is and every business is essential to somebody, but more so for the employees that, that work there. Um, so I, I didn't, I wasn't a big supporter. I honored it, but I wasn't a big supporter of shutting everything down uh, the way it was done. And I think in hindsight, I think people may, may think, you know what, we probably should not have done that quite, I think, but bringing down the restaurants to 50% capacity, that's fine. Uh, closing areas that you cannot physically distance, you know, you, you, you cannot go to, to a, a nightclub or a bar and expect to physically distance. That's just not the nature of that environment, right? A restaurant, you can set up, you know, you can set up tables that are six feet apart. You can, you know, all this kind of stuff, but in, and there's certain industries that you just cannot do that. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it, it's a tough, I think it's somewhat been mishandled in, in a lot of different areas uh, here in Cameron. Um, they, the, the county shut down beaches, but the city of South Padre Island kept them open. So all you had was people that would have ordinarily gone to a county beach, flooded the city. Um, and the city developed protocols where they actually staked out, you know, distance markers where, you know, somebody could set up a little tent, uh, 20, 30 feet apart, you know, no more than 10 people, six people could congregate. They had uh, law enforcement drive up and down the beach, make sure that people were, were, were doing what they were supposed to be doing, which was staying apart, uh, not having three or four tents together with 30 people. Uh, South Padre Island did it the right way. The county, I, I think, was, was closing the beaches down without really giving it any thought. There's enough room out there where they could have distanced people. They get a controlled, ins- you know, accesses. We could have had our, our park rangers, uh, constables, deputies, uh, you know, drive up and down on 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 you know mini mini cycles and making sure that people were adhering to um, you know to the rule twenty feet thirty feet apart. My God, the beach is five ten miles long. Easily, you could have accommodated. Those things. So right now, there's a, there's petitions going on at the county level, really asking the county to open up uh, Isla Blanca Park. Is not you, you're familiar with Isla Blanca Park. You know they're not allowing people to go in, but yet they they if you've got a rental space there, you're free to come in and go and go to the beach. You know, but they're not allowing regular folks. You know, to uh, not non non residents, I guess, that don't have a, a an RV slip uh, to not go in. So you know, it's unfortunate, but I think that was mishandled.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, getting kind of close to the end of the time here, I want to ask you a few kind of final questions. Um, you have your own CPA firm in Brownsville. You're a CPA. What kind, of, uh, what kind of clients do you have? What kind of matters do you handle? And um, what kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs in Texas uh, starting their own business?
1: Well, the first thing, the, the our firm, uh, we're not allowed to say that we're experts in anything. Uh, that we specialize. It's probably eh, kind of, uh, you know, going to the edge. But uh, our focus is on, is on uh, governmental uh, audits. We do a lot of school districts. Uh, we do cities, we do counties, we do water districts, irrigation districts, drainage districts. Uh, that, that really is, is where our, our, our forte is. Um, you know, we, we don't do a lot of private industry. And, and I'm, today I'm kind of glad because a lot of the private industries, whether it's uh, car dealerships or furniture stores, whatever uh, that other firms have done, have had to curtail uh, getting audits done because they have no customers because of the shutdown, you know? So so governments will always need an audit that they, you know, so right now we're, we're in a crunch because a lot of the school districts that we do uh, are deferring getting started. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of school districts to do within a very small period of time. So uh, I've got a staff of, of 11 auditors, 10 auditors, uh, and we're going to be very, very busy, you know, working 50, 60 hours a week uh, for the next four or five months. In terms of, of setting up business, just make sure that, that um, you know, I have got a, I, I tell doctor clients and lawyers, don't practice accounting and I promise not to practice medicine without a license or practice law without a license. You know, um, sometimes they, they they believe because they're, you know, they can do certain things, you know, they might be able to, you know, you know, cure, do brain surgery, but they don't know how to fill out a tax return. Um, so, I ask them, look, let, you know, let the experts do it. Go, go to a, go to a CPA firm, you know, to help you. Go to an attorney to do your filings, whether it's a you know, liability company or partnership or corporate, you know, I don't do that. Uh, I chose not to do that. Anybody can do it online. You know, it's not that difficult, but I would prefer spending a little bit of money and going to people that, that do it. Uh, seek out lawyers that, that do that kind of work. Uh, you know, you're not gonna go to a, you know, to a corporate lawyer uh, that try to help you in, in, in family matters or setting up a trust or defending you in court. You know, you have lawyers that that want to be all things to all people, but I would I would select the lawyer that that has a specialty, whether it's in criminal defense or or uh, you know or just defense work or family law versus that. You know, do do your paperwork, do it right, uh, and and do do all your filings properly, and and just you know just do business the right way, and you know stay current with your taxes, and and you shouldn't have any problems.
0: Good stuff. Uh, final question for you. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin, Texas?
1: I've got a lot of ones that I like to eat. Uh, True Lux downtown is probably my favorite restaurant. Um, I've been there so many times, you know, when, when they know you by your, they know who you are, it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it took a while <laughs> to do that. But knowing the, the you know, the the, the head guy and, and and knowing a lot of the wait staff, you know, you always try to get the same ones. They put you at the same table. Uh, but Trulux, if if it's if it's a fancy fancy restaurant, uh, you know that that is where that that's where I'd I'd, I'd like to go. Uh, Terry's for barbecue is also very very good. Uh, I think there's another one, uh, the Pearl. I think is pretty good too. Okay. I think it's Pearl. But I think my favorite restaurant is got to be Trulux downtown. I've never been to the one up north, uh, but the one downtown. Uh, you know, when my daughter that lives there goes every now and then, and they even know who she is, and so she's all happy. You know, uh, but uh, that, thats thats the restaurant that I would, if given a choice, that's where I would go, given a choice. Second Wait. is would probably be Fleming's.
0: Fleming's is good. Touring yeah. around Texas, were you able to to uh,
1: to try out different Texas barbecue on the road? You know, I, I did, but I tell you, I find this interesting for those folks that, that travel along the border. Um, yeah, I i wrote something up one day, and—and and this is not to offend anybody, but—and um, I don't think anybody really thinks this, but there might be some in the audience that do. Not all Hispanics are alike. Uh, not all Hispanics think alike. Not all Hispanics vote alike. Um, and not all Hispanics like the same food. I can't eat really spicy food. Uh, people say, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" I—I like, can't. You know, it really bothers me. Um, but. I found that the, I use the example, Hispanics are different. I mean, they're even within our own Hispanic culture, we have so many differences. Uh, if you have a, if you have an enchilada in Brownsville, it's going to taste different than an enchilada in El Paso. That's true. The spices are different. They, they may use more of something somewhere. They're just different. Uh, the only consistent food i've ever had is water burger no matter where you go water burger always stays the same you know but but everywhere else i mean it's it's a food you know the, the foods are the foods are different that's all i can tell you
0: yeah awesome well mr carlos cascos uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh i wish we had several more hours to talk about everything you did at secretary of state and you're involved in but i appreciate your taking time to to visit with us and, and uh, talk on the podcast and uh hope to have you back sometime
1: yeah, invite me anytime. Uh, make the time to do it. I think these are fun. I think it's a way to uh, not only educate folks, but kind of throw a little bit of humor into, into what life is about when you're in politics at that level. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's, it's one piece of advice. I don't know if it's changed now, but if you're driving from Austin to San Angelo, be prepared to be without cell phone service for at least an hour to an hour and a half. It, it's pretty pretty desolate out there. That's true. Good advice. It's a great community, though. San Angelo is a great city. Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for joining us for our episode with Carlos Cascos, the former Texas Secretary of State. Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about a pretty awesome organization called Women in Austin. If you've liked what you've heard so far, please consider subscribing and giving us a good review. As always, take care and stay healthy.